And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Hope that you had a great weekend and you're advancing in your fantasy playoffs like uh, John Paulson, who joins me on the podcast right now. John, congratulations. Looks like you're going to move on in our league to our championship game. Uh, yeah, uh, 150 points uh, against the Deathworms, who sadly were without Kareem Hunt, um, Melvin Gordon, Spencer Ware, James Conner. <laughs> I say sadly because I'm I'm not really that sad that they were without those guys, but it was a it was a nice win, and I um, I also took down the 75th place in the big Yahoo tournament, so I won on 750 bucks there. That was pretty wow. cool. I don't play a lot of tournaments, but TJ Hernandez said that the overlay on that uh, tournament was pretty good. Made the odds really, really good. So I threw together some lineups. And it was actually one of my lineups that did not have a stack in it, quarterback, wide receiver stack. I had Lamar Jackson at quarterback and didn't really stack him with anyone. And um, the big uh, the big pick there was Robert Foster as one of my cheap uh, wide receivers because he ended up having a nice 100-yard day. And so it was, been, it was a good weekend, a good profitable weekend for me. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about Robert Foster and our fantasy quick hitters, but we got to get to some injuries. And before we even do that, tell us about the music that brought us in today. Yes, it's a track by St. Lucia. Uh, the name of the, the track is Walking Away. Uh, it is the fourth track on their 2018 album, Hyperion. And this is a really, uh, there's a band, but this was really the uh, brainchild of John Philip Grobler, who was actually born in... Uh, South Africa, and then uh, ended up moving to Brooklyn and marrying uh, a woman, and they kind of formed a partnership and making a lot of music, and they've got quite a few uh, pop hits, it looks like, on Spotify. I've heard of Elevate, and I was just listening to another one as I came on. So if you like the like the sound, uh, check out the Most Accurate Podcast playlists. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, and if you can't find it there, you can go to any of the 444.com podcast posts, and there'll be a link to it there. Let's dive into the injuries. Unfortunately, we start off with Aaron Jones, who is a guy I recommended over some of the backup running backs that wound up having pretty good games. Jones suffered a knee injury that he believes is a sprained MCL. Of course, he did it in the first quarter of that game yesterday against the Bears, so he was a complete fantasy bust. Jamal Williams, who nobody would have started yesterday, wound up rushing 12 times for 55 yards and a touchdown. That Jones injury, John, was the same that he suffered a year ago in Chicago, and it cost him two games. Let's talk talk about Jamal Williams then. Where do you envision him being ranked for Week 16 if he does indeed get the start ahead of a banged-up Aaron Jones? Yeah, tough situation for Aaron Jones owners. I, as I was talking about Damon Williams on uh, Thursday ahead of the Thursday night game, people were asking me about Damian Williams between you know versus other. Running backs, and most of the time I was able to say Damian Williams because I had him at 19 in standard formats, and I had a couple people ask me about Damian Williams versus Aaron Jones, and at that point I wasn't sure that Damian Williams was going to have the workload necessary to outscore Damian, or, uh, Aaron Jones, and I thought that Chicago, they could be run on, and I think Aaron Jones is a really good player, so I recommended Aaron Jones in that one, and I think his owners are probably looking at Jamal Williams' game log and are pretty annoyed because he ended up with uh, 16 touches, 97 yards, and a touchdown, 19.7 in PPR, 15.7 in standard. So uh, I'm sure there's more than a few Jones owners out there that are wondering, what if? Uh, for Week 16, I think Williams will end up being ranked as an, uh, a running back two in fantasy. 
uh, probably high end. Depends on what the Packers are doing here with Aaron Rodgers. He's still on the injury report with a knee injury. Do they go and try to play and win, or uh, do they shut him down? Uh, I'm guessing that they will have him out there because he's been feeling pretty good. I, I guess they'll go out and try to win the last couple games. Um, so in that case, I think Williams would be a pretty good play this week. Marcus Murphy suffered an elbow injury in that game against the Lions yesterday. He exited, did not return. Keith Ford wound up rushing 14 times for 46 yards. He caught his only target for seven yards. Do you expect that LaShawn McCoy and Chris Ivory to, to come back this week, though? Uh, well, the Bills are – are they still in that playoff hunt? They can't possibly no, be in no, the playoff no. hunt. Okay. Um, I was just going to say, because a lot of those AFC teams are like 6-6 six and six or 6-7, six and seven, and they're still like technically alive. But i uh, not sure what the Bills' record is at this point. Um do you remember Keith Ford from Texas A&M? Or? A, little, a little bit, um, but not enough to give a, a scouting profile. I remember the name. Yeah, he, he played his last – he started at Oklahoma, played his last two seasons at Texas A&M, uh, 669 yards as a junior, six touchdowns, uh, had five catches uh, that season. In 2017, 548 yards, rushing 12 touchdowns, 14 catches that year – and uh, he came in and got most of the work with uh, Marcus Murphy out uh, with the with the elbow. I guess he dislocated his elbow, had to pop it back in, uh, which sounds really painful. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I would expect one of those three running backs to be able to get healthy enough, unless they just decide to to shut them all down and let them get healthy and not risk it. Uh, in that case, uh, the first thing I look at is the um, matchup when I'm looking at these kind of fourth, third, fourth, fifth string running backs to see if they're going to have uh, a decent day. And, uh, you know, the matchup against the, the Patriots is not bad. Uh, they're 22nd, just a fancy points allowed to running backs. But, you know, this is a game that could uh, get away from the Bills pretty early and uh, they have to throw the ball a lot more than they would like to. And then, you know, how how involved is, is Ford uh, as a receiver? I think that's the question. So um, if he's the RB1 heading into the week, I probably would have him ranked as like an RB3. All right, time to talk about another backup running back. Just your just your luck. Frank Gore suffered an injury yesterday. X-rays came back negative. He suffered a foot injury. Kenyon Drake apparently is still a little banged up. He only rushed once for six yards. He caught three of three targets for 28 yards. So even with Gore leaving at the end of the first quarter yesterday in Minnesota, Kenyon Drake was a non-factor. So in steps in Kalen Balaj, who rushed 12 times for 123 yards and a touchdown. Now, 75 yards of those 123 actually came on one play where he exploded through a hole, didn't look back, flashed his speed, and that was it. But if Drake is out or Drake is banged up or Angora is out, what do you think about Balazs next week against the Jaguars? Well, it's the Jaguars, so it's generally a tough matchup for uh, any player, but you know the, the Jaguars have kind of, I wouldn't say they packed it in, um, but oh, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Last two weeks have been pretty nasty. Uh, I didn't look closely at their box score this week. They lost. They lost the, the Redskins. Peterson ended up with two point seven yards per carry. Uh, Chris Thompson one point eight. So the run defense looks pretty good there. But it's the, you know the Redskins are not exactly uh, a machine on the on the ground right now. Uh, so I think. He would be a decent play. He played at Arizona State last year, 669 yards rushing, six touchdowns, uh, did have six catches. He had 20 catches in his last two years, so he does have some versatility there. I'm sorry, Kalen Balaj had more than 
he had 44 catches as a junior and 20 catches as a senior. I was looking at the wrong column there. So he actually does have a pretty good uh, profile as a pass catcher. Uh, with Kenyon Drake basically being ignored uh, by Adam Gase, I think that Bellage would be a decent a decent play at home um, uh, this week against uh, the Jaguars. All right. This situation is interesting with Matt Breida in San Francisco. So he suffered an ankle injury in the win yesterday over the 49ers. It came in the fourth quarter, though. It's the same ankle that he's been dealing with for weeks. Jeff Wilson looked pretty good, but he made two really bad mistakes. One was putting the ball on the ground, lost a fumble after kind of a, a good gain. He finished with seven seven carries for 46 yards. Is this one kind of easy to handicap here with Breida? If he's in, he's likely to be the lead back. If he's not, is Jeff Wilson fantasy viable? Well, they play the Bears. Oof. Um, so, so it's not easy. They're third to just fancy points. The third is just a fancy points allowed to running backs. Although Jamal Williams, I just got done saying Jamal Williams did do pretty well. Aaron Jones probably would have done well. Why am I bringing up Aaron Jones again? That's going to kill his <laughs> one. Um, I think you you nailed you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Breda, he, you know, Breda really looked good yesterday for a lot of that game. He just cannot stay healthy, and that ankle just keeps propping up that ankle injury. So, see how he practices this week. Do they really want to bring him back for another game uh, after kind of rushing him back this week? I don't know. If he's out, it looks like it'll be Jeff Wilson as the as the starter, and he'll be more of a volume play. Like, you know, you can expect 15 to 17 touches, but, you know, questionable uh, production against the Bears. Tyler Boyd suffered what is being reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, a low-grade MCL sprain with – A.J. Green out, you might think, okay, if Boyd misses time, Boyd John Ross and, uh, you know, maybe even Ozuma would would be good targets for fantasy owners, but uh, not too good from Ross and the rest of the Bengals' position group yesterday. It's it's basically a Joe Mixon-led offense right now, John. Yeah, uh, Cody Core was the other receiver getting a lot of snaps there, the third receiver. So you're looking at John Ross and Cody Core probably playing most of the snaps at receiver. Uzuma did get uh, five targets, so I think at tight end at the tight end position, there is some streamability there. He, he only caught one pass for 27 yards against Oakland, but he's been getting quite a few targets relative to his position. And the the Browns are 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, so it's not a bad matchup there. I wanted to mention Todd Gurley. I don't think it's a big concern. He had 12 carries for 48 yards. He also scored two touchdowns and then was a monster in the passing game. Targeted 13 times, caught 10 of them, 76 yards in the loss last night to the Eagles. He did suffer an injury at one point in the second half. He came out for a series, but then came back in and scored on a uh, on a goal line conversion. Any concerns about Todd Gurley heading into next week? Uh, we'll be watching his practice activity. Generally, when a player um, returns to the game and is able to finish it, they play the following week. I would say 90% of the time, or 95% of the time that happens. Only occasionally do they uh, end up having to sit out the following week. His matchup against the Arizona Cardinals is fantastic. So as a girly owner in both my finals, um, I'm really hoping that he plays. The, the backup there is Justin Davis now because uh, Malcolm Brown um, is out with that, I think it was a, I want to say shoulder injury, uh, but he's done for the year, I believe. So we've got Justin Davis playing four snaps. He had one carry for zero yards, no targets yesterday. Um, 
you would he might be uh into the into the game. John Kelly was also uh I guess he had two carries for four yards. Is that correct? I am looking it up right now. I'm double checking our RBBC report because uh it doesn't show him with any snaps, but uh, yes, he did have two carries for four yards, and Justin Davis had one carry for zero yards. So I, it looks like Kelly would be ahead of Davis at this point if uh, if Gurley can't play. But I, I'm, you know, all indications are that uh, Gurley will play. Finally, uh, on the injury front, now this doesn't apply to me because I was knocked out of my playoffs this week in large part because Keenan Allen didn't do anything. Uh, but good news for anybody that did survive. Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon being out the the last two week the last couple weeks for Melvin Gordon. Both are expected to play Saturday versus the Ravens, according to Adam Schefter. Do you feel good about slotting those two two players back into your lineups, John? Yeah, I think so. If they're ready to go, they'll they'll um, play significant snaps and and uh, be pretty good plays. The uh, the issue will be watching their practice activity, and if they're questionable, limited all week and questionable, then you might uh, downgrade them a little bit. All right, I have Frank Gore and Kalen Balazs in the fantasy quick hitters, but we already covered those two in the injuries. So let's move on to Leonard Fournette. He rushed just 11 times for 46 yards. He caught three or four targets for 18 yards in the Jaguars' week 15 loss to the Redskins. The tough part here is that while it was a bust of a day for Leonard Fournette owners, Fournette said that that was the plan going in. It was to limit his carries. So what's your advice to Fournette owners assuming that they, they also survived Fournette not not doing anything yesterday against Washington. Do you trust him to still be a RB2, or do you, do you feel like you got to move on from Fournette as the, the Jaguars seemingly are, are trying to rest him with a season off going off the rails here? Yeah, I don't know why they're playing him if they want to rest him, uh, why, they, why they play him at all. So that's pretty curious. Uh, David Williams was actually active and ahead of, I mean, Carlos Hyde was a healthy scratch. So David Williams ended up with five carries for 32 yards. It just looks like they, they wanted to see what they had in him uh, for next year. Uh, so, yeah, I would say heading into this next week, they have a nice, very nice matchup against Miami, who just got shredded by the Minnesota running game. Uh, and, you know, heading into that game, you can't really feel that confident with Fournette. So I think he'll be ranked in the teens this week instead of normally in the top 10 due to his uh, typically heavy workload. Speaking of which, let's let's jump to Dalvin Cook. Because he looked, for me, I, I said it at the time, when, when Cook and Fournette were in the same draft, I felt as though that Dalvin Cook was going to be the, running, the, the better running back. He was better all around. You can put him in a zone scheme. You can throw to him more explosive, and then injuries have, have wrecked Cook's uh, career thus far. Now, it's, now it's, it's early, but injuries have been have played a big part in keeping Dalvin Cook where he is. He rushed 19 times for 136 yards and two touchdowns yesterday, though. He looked like the player that a lot of us thought he would coming out of Florida State. With Murray also rushing 15 times for 68 yards and a touchdown, where do you anticipate having Cook and Murray in your rankings heading into Week 16? Well, the matchup against the Lions is not great. I mean, it's on the road, which is one thing. And then their rush defense, the Lions' rush defense, has been significantly better uh, in recent weeks. 54 yards allowed to the Bears, 56 yards allowed to the Panthers, 38 yards allowed to the Bears. They did give up 149 yards to the Rams with Todd Gurley there, 61 yards allowed to the Cardinals, and they did give up 117 yards uh, this week against uh, the Bills. Um and 
let's see how much of that came from Josh Allen, just 16 yards. He did have the rushing touchdown. I think we talked about Josh Allen and his rushing yards, mm-hmm. uh, how, how the Lions led the league in fewest rushing yards allowed to quarterbacks. Um, but he got that touchdown, which was so huge for Allen, that rushing touchdown, that six points. Uh, that was really big for him. Otherwise, he might have had a pretty substandard day. But Keith Ford got 46 yards rushing and Marcus Murphy 35 yards rushing, which is uh, pretty good against the Lions. So uh, I think looking at the Vikings, they made that change at offensive coordinator because uh, Mike Zimmer was not happy with amount, the amount that they were running the ball. So I think this new look offense will continue against the, the Lions. They will try to run the ball uh, more than they had for most of the year. And I think Cook will be a, a, a solid start. Uh, they're, I'm sure they're going to be favored in this game. Um, so that also helps, you know, running back that are favored uh, typically boost their upside a little bit because they typically are ahead and see more touches as a result. So I think Cook will probably be ranked as a low-end uh, RB1 this week. What do you th- What are your thoughts on Jalen Samuels? He exploded for 19, 19 carries for 142 yards. He also caught two passes for an additional 30, 30 yards in that win over the Patriots. Huge, huge victory for Pittsburgh. Not only do they keep their uh, AFC North title hopes alive, but, I mean, they – this was kind of a must-win given how New England has owned them in the past and given how the Patriots are coming off a loss. The Patriots were one of my favorite plays this week um, in my picks, and I was I was stunned as Pittsburgh pretty much dominated that game. Uh, things got a little hair in the fourth quarter for them, but bottom line is Samuels was a big part of the Steelers' victory. So if James Conner is out again, do you feel as though that Jalen Samuels is a locked-in RB2? Yeah, and I would say he's getting into high-end RB, RB2 territory because of the 19 carries. The previous week against Oakland, he only had 11 carries and didn't really run the ball that well, 28 yards. And so you're kind of wondering, is this guy really any good at running the ball? And then he shreds the Patriots for 142 yards on 19 carries, 7.5 yards per carry. So he has that ability. The, I think the issue is that they are playing at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans' rush defense is very, very good. Uh, they're probably going to limit Samuels as a runner, but he has that ability to catch the ball, as he ev- as evidenced by the 7-for-64 uh, against Oakland in Week 14, the 3-for-20 in a touchdown. Uh, week 13, 3-for-22 in a touchdown against Carolina back in Week 10, has that experience as a college tight end and receiving the ball. So uh, he had 2-for-30 against the Patriots on two targets as well. Uh, so really a good pass catcher, and I think he'll be able to uh, score some points uh, in, the, in the passing game uh, against the Saints uh, if the running game is not going well. Uh, the, the key is to watch uh, James Conner because it seemed like he was almost getting to where he might come back uh, last week, and we'll see how he does this week in, uh, in practice. Last fantasy quick hitter, you mentioned Robert Foster. You had, you had played him in our league this week. Could he be a wide receiver three moving forward? He's had 10-plus fantasy points in four of his last five games. And with Buffalo not having much of a running game, looks like that Josh Allen-Robert Foster connection is pretty viable. I actually started Robbie Anderson in our league. You got my you got my 100-yard receivers mixed up. I know there's so <laughs> many of them. Uh, my apologies, too. No, the Robert Foster, I brought him up before the pod because he was the my cheap receiver in the Yahoo tournament that I uh, did well in. So uh, I understand why you're confused because there's just so many, <laughs> uh, so many receivers. Uh, 
yeah, I was really, by the way, I was really excited about uh, Robbie Anderson on Saturday. I tweeted that I was irrationally excited about him. And so I had quite a few Robbie Anderson owners that started him. Uh, and we, we were texting back and forth. So it was pretty fun on, on Saturday when he nice. got that touchdown in the first half. And uh, he almost had another 30 yard catch, 20, 30 yard catch in that one of the last drives that the Jets had and went through his hand. He had to jump and went through his hands. That was a little bit disappointing. But obviously, a great day if you're getting. 100-plus and a touchdown out of Robbie Anderson after the season he's had. But you asked about uh, Robert Foster. Uh, two Robbies here, I guess. That's why we're confused. Uh, <laughs> four for 108 and a touchdown on against Detroit. I had him ranked, I think, 42nd or 41st in, in uh, standard formats. I thought he had a chance for another good day. Uh, given this uh, Detroit secondary, I was a little bit worried about Darius Slay and maybe he would be shadowing uh, Foster. But he's, you know, if you look at his game logs, it's pretty impressive, especially given the low volume that he had. Three for 105 on four targets against the Jets. Two for 94 and a touchdown on three targets against Jag- the Jaguars. He had the one bad game against Miami. Uh, one catch for 27 yards uh, for four touchdowns. You're going to have some of that when you have this deep ball threat like he is. Uh, and then they traded, no, they cut uh, Kelvin Benjamin. They cut Andre Holmes. And so his snap counts jumped from 45 to 56% up to 96% against the Jets, and that's when he went off went off for uh, 7 for 104 on 8 targets in Week 14, and then, again, played 84% of the snaps against the Lions, 4 for 108 and a touchdown on 5 targets. So looking ahead at Week 16, he's got the, uh, the Patriots, and they have some pretty good outside corners, so that's going to be a challenge for him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, bet on another 100-yard game from him, uh, although the Jets are probably going to have to throw the ball I'm sorry, the, the Bills are going to have to throw the ball uh, significantly more uh, than they're used to. Uh, so, if, if assuming the Patriots jump out to a lead, which is, seems pretty likely in New England. So, uh, he, the volume might be there for him where he's getting seven, eight, nine targets and maybe he ca- connects on a deep one. Let's do some RBBCs now. We'll start off with the Eagles. Josh Adams, 15 carries, 28 yards and a touchdown. Wendell Smallwood, 10 carries, 48 yards and two touchdowns. It, it wasn't that long ago where we felt that Josh Adams was the clear number one running back with the Eagles, but Wendell Smallwood has worked back into the game plan. What's your advice for the owners that have either of these guys? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think anybody would have started Smallwood this week. He had one carry for three yards uh, in Week 14, played 8% of the snaps against Dallas, and then came out and played 31% of the snaps. And some of this was due to Josh Adams struggling to run the ball. He had 15 carries for 28 yards, so his efficiency has dropped uh, significantly. And at that point, I think, you know, a few carries where he doesn't do a whole lot, they're like, okay, let's give Smallwood a chance. And he ends up, you know, averaging 4.8 yards per carry and getting the two touchdowns. And uh, Darren Sproles, not all that involved uh, as a runner ever. Uh, but he did have four for 22 and a touchdown against Washington in week three. So you kind of thought that he'd be the number two running back in addition to his uh, pass catching uh, skills. But they got Smallwood back involved in the in the offense. And the, the problem here, I think, is that they face uh, the Texans, who are second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. It's a bit, really bad matchup, so it's going to be tough to, to test, uh, trust any of these three guys given the, the, the fact that they're all splitting uh, touches at this point. The Lions' RBBC situation is a mess. So you have Zach Zenner, 10 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. He also received another goal goal line carry as well. Laguerre Blunt, 7 carries, 9 yards. You pretty much cross him off, I would think. 
this is this is the interesting one. So Theoretic, eight carries, forty-seven yards, only two of three targets for nine yards. Are you surprised that the Lions didn't get Riddick more involved in the passing game? He usually is a, a pretty good PPR play. I mean, given their issues at receiver, uh, yeah, I am. Uh, they ended up giving him eight carries, which is kind of surprising. But he's been getting. He had three straight games with or four straight games with at least seven targets, and then. Week 13, week 14, you only saw four targets in each game, and then it was week 15, it was only three targets. So that was a little surprising, given all their issues at receiver. Uh, Zach Zenner looks like he's taking over, giving him an opportunity to run the ball. Uh, Minnesota's, I would say, is not a good matchup. They're ninth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, but Balaj obviously broke that 75-yarder um, against them. So there, are, there is some opportunity there for Zenner to maybe uh, to have a good game. Let's do two more, Patriots and Ravens. We'll do the Patriots first. Sony Michelle, 13 carries, 59 yards. James White did catch five of seven targets, but for only 25 yards. He did carry two two times, 12 yards. And then, of course, Rex Burkhead, for good measure, carried the ball four times for 25 yards, caught three passes for 18 yards. So the, the Patriots continue now back-to-back weeks to get basically everybody on the roster that could be a running back or wants to be a running back uh, <laughs> somehow involved, which leaves the fantasy owners uh, frustrated and, you know, trying to trying to play Russian roulette every week now with these backs. Yeah, and Michelle would be ranked higher. I, the, some of my peers in the fantasy ranking industry had him ranked significantly higher than I did. I had him at twenty six. And my issue with Michelle at this point is that he's not even the goal line back. James Devlin has three touchdowns in the last three weeks, or it was, I guess, three in the last two heading into this week's game. And Michelle doesn't catch passes. Okay, so he's you know he's going to get the 10 to 15 carries, maybe more, um, but he's getting pulled at the goal line. So you're looking at, you know, he's got he's got a score from outside the 10 if he's going to score. Uh, which just, I think, really lowers his floor. And we saw it yesterday, 13 carries, 59 yards, kind of a, just a, he was fine running the ball, but doesn't add anything to the passing game and doesn't score touchdowns. So you've got Burkhead playing 26% of snaps, Michelle playing 37, James White playing 40% of the snaps, and James Devlin, who's really the fullback, playing 32% of the snaps. So nobody scores more than nine points in PPR formats. It's really devolved into an ugly RBBC. The plus side here is that the, the Bills are not that great against the run, against running backs, so someone's probably going to score a touchdown here. Um, I guess my guess would be it would be Devlin because he seems to be the goal line back now, but I'm, right. I'm sure I'll have Michelle rank the highest because he, <laughs> he may be able to score too right. as well. All right, final one, then we'll get into the Monday Night Football game. Gus Edwards, 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Kenneth Dixon, 11 carries for 48 yards. Looks like Dixon is still the lead back there in Baltimore. However, with how much the Ravens are running the ball with Lamar Jackson now at quarterback, you had mentioned Kenneth Dixon as one of your sneaky starts last week. Do you still have faith that Dixon could be uh, a sneaky start or or fantasy viable over the next two weeks? Well, against uh, the Chargers this week, uh, they're 21st in just fantasy points allowed to running backs. I was a little disappointed in Dixon's production this week, especially with Ty Montgomery. Um inactive like I thought Dixon then would take that passing game role because Edwards doesn't catch any passes at all he doesn't have a single catch in the last four weeks he has one catch on the season 
So with Montgomery out, I thought Dixon might see three, four, or five catches in addition to seeing a little bit more work as a runner. He did get that um, additional work as a runner. He had eight carries last week and then uh, 11 this week. Uh, just wasn't there for him in the passing game. So that was the disappointing part, I think, for me. Edwards, uh, I thought, was a pretty good bet for to score a touchdown against the, the Bucks. The, the question was going to be his workload, but he ended up with 19 carries, 104 yards. Probably a hot hand situation if, if they give the ball to Edwards and he's running the ball well, uh, he's going to continue to be the main runner. Uh, and then, But if he struggles at all in his first five or six carries and Dixon comes in there and, and runs really well, then uh, he could end up with the better fantasy day. Monday Night Football tonight's a good one. Pan- well, it should be. Saints and Panthers, NFC South division rivals going going at it. Uh, Panthers still a slim chance to make the, the playoffs, but they're reeling. They've lost, I think, five in a row, four or five in a row. And then the Saints have not looked great over their last two weeks, but they did uh, have a two-touchdown victory last week in Tampa. Good news is, from an injury standpoint, there really isn't anything. Cam Newton's been dealing with the shoulder injury, but he was left off the injury report. Uh, guy I'm looking at looking at tonight is Ian Thomas. How they use use him with Greg Olson out again. Um, other than that, though, I, I don't know from a fantasy perspective uh, how much you have to concern leading up to kickoff. I don't think we have any any questionables that are uh, dicey plays or anything like that. So it's, it should be an interesting game. I'm want I want to see how Cam Newton looks throwing the ball with that shoulder injury. It was not good last week. Um, and that it, you know it's affecting DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel a little bit. Uh, the shows the throws seem to be shorter, and they're not going deep as often. And we'll we'll see what he's able to do against the Saints. And the Saints, to me, with the Rams sort of fading a little bit, if they can if they can get home field advantage, um, I don't know anybody in the, in the NFC that's going to beat them. I guess maybe the Bears could go in there and and shut down the offense potentially and, and Trubisky could put up enough points to win but you know if they can win home field advantage the Saints I just feel like that's such an advantage there in the Superdome that they're you know had a great chance to make the Super Bowl so uh, I think they see that in front of them and uh, if they get a win tonight that'll be big because they just need to uh, stay a game ahead of the Rams. I couldn't agree more. I th- I've, as a Falcon fan, I've seen that Saints team play in that dome for you know three decades, and there are times where it's just it doesn't matter what collection of all stars or Pro Bowlers you're going to put together, you're not you're not winning in that dome. So that certainly is huge uh, from a home field advantage standpoint. You know, Drew Brees hasn't played well in two weeks either. He had a nasty interception on a screen pass last week in Tampa. It was really a blocked punt by Taysom Hill and then a late touchdown run by Mark Ingram that uh, allowed the Saints to win decidedly in Tampa Bay last week. Otherwise, again, Drew Brees, not, not great in Dallas, not great in Tampa. So it'll be interesting to see if he, if he can, can rebound and this offense can get back on track tonight. He should because Carolina's secondary has, been, has struggled pretty much all season, although Philadelphia was playing you and I at cornerback last night and the, the Rams couldn't do anything get, to get their offense, at least their passing game, back on track. So going to be an interesting matchup as the NFC gets decidedly closer or, or uh, you know needs to be decided in these, these next two weeks. That'll do it for us. Follow John Paulson on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We'll see you on Friday's edition of 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. If you got anybody going tonight, good luck, and hopefully you're, you join us on Friday as you gear up for either another playoff or your championship in fantasy football. So long. We'll see you on Friday. 